Just like she said in that song, why don't you just look at your neighbor and say, you really don't know the cost. You don't know what it costs for me to be here. You don't know what it costs for me to stand here right now. You don't know the price I had to pay. Now let's give the Lord the best praise that you have for giving you the strength. Because truly, if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, truly, where would any of us be? Where truly, if it hadn't have been? Yeah, we serve a mighty God, a mighty God. Thank you, First Christian, and I love you too. Um, it's easy to pastor a church like you guys because you guys are easy to pastor. I really thank God. I mean, seriously, I don't, you, I don't run into half the problems that some pastors run into. Praise you, Jesus. <laughs> I'm like, God, you are really, really, really good. <laughs> but I just want to thank all of you. Thank, thank you, and, and thank you for your support, um, your constant encouragement. Um, that you always give, always give. And I just thank God for each one of you as we pray for you and pray for your prosperity and praying God continue to bless you and just give you all of the spiritual blessings that he has in store for you. And so God is really awesome and you are an awesome congregation. So come on and give the Lord a praise and just thanking him. I thank him for you, for my entire leadership staff, all of my pastors. Let's give a hand praise to the pastors of our church. Come on, y'all can do better, all of my pastors, all of my ministers, come on, raise your hand, ministers, ministers, and all of my deacons and elders, deacons and elders, where are my decision counselors, come on, all of leadership, all of leadership, because we are all co-laborers, because you can't get this thing done by yourself. Got to work it together. This thing can, was not done in a corner. Everybody got to pitch in and got to work and work together. God is great. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you. We bless you, dear Lord. And God, we thank you for these 27 years. I know we've already said it earlier, but God, we just can't help but uh, just give you the praise and the glory for how you have brought us through how you have brought us through. Times when folks would have counted us out, you counted us in. And for that, God, we just continue to give you the glory and the honor and your praise. Now, Lord, we just thank you for this time of coming together of corporate worship, time of coming together to celebrate you, dear Lord. And God, as we come in together looking to you, for continued direction as to how you want this church to carry out your kingdom work. So now, Lord, as we prepare for this word, open up our ears and our hearts and our understanding. Give us clarity, dear Lord. And God, give us that, that, that understanding and that peace and that wisdom that only you can give to us. Because, God, I can speak for everyone in this congregation. We just don't want to be in your permissive will. We want to be in your divine will. 
So now, Lord, we just thank you. Please bless this word, your word. God, you order it however you choose to order it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, turn with me, please, to the Gospel of Luke, Luke, the 12th chapter. And we're going um, down to the 49th verse, if you will. It's going to read from 49 to 43. When Luke chapter 12, verses 49 to 53, I'm sorry. And um, I'm reading from the NIV version. NIV version. Luke 12, 49 through 53. All right. This is Jesus speaking. He's speaking to his, his disciples and, and all who have gathered around him. And he's saying to them, and he said, I have come to bring fire on the earth. And how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo. And what in what constraint I am under until it is completed. Do not think I came to bring peace on earth. No, I tell you, but division. From now on, there will be five in one family, divided against each other, three against two, two against three. They will be divided, father against son, and son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, Mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. I want to talk to you today about holy trouble. Holy trouble, you may be seated. one of the many, many things that I appreciate about Jesus is that Jesus always cuts straight to the chase. All right? He does not beat around the bush. He cuts straight to the chase. And he just unapologetically dropped on his listeners that he did not come here to bring peace. He said, I came to bring division. You, he didn't mince his words. You don't have to be a theologian to figure out what he was saying right here. He just said, this is what I have come to do. And so I am sure the same way that it shocked his um, listeners, it shocked us the same way as it shocked his listeners, I should say, and, and because it is just one of those things, you know, when Jesus is saying that what I've come to do, it just seemingly conflicts with Jesus being the Prince of Peace. We call him, he's the prince of beasts. So it seems as though Jesus is really contradicting what he, his own teaching. But at the same time, we know that there are, are no contradictions in Jesus Christ. And so, so, so what is Jesus really saying here? In one, in one sense, we know he's the prince of peace. Another thing, we already know he's all about that, but then we look over here, and he's talking about division. He's talking about he's going to break the family up, Jack. He's talking about there's going to be some problems up in this camp here. And so now as we look down at the text and, and we look at the Greek word for, for divide, it mean, divide, it means disunity. It's not that Jesus, it's not that Jesus was coming to, to break up families and to break up friendships and relationships. 
What Jesus was saying here is how you respond to me and my teaching, that is the thing that's going to divide you. Everybody is not going to be in line with what I teach and, and in line with the example that I set, and it's going to create a conflict up in here somewhere. It's going to be a problem. And so the first time that I heard the term holy trouble, I was in an IAF meeting. And these, all these church people were sitting around here talking about getting into holy trouble. It took me back a little bit. Because it's holy trouble sounds like an oxymoron to me. How are we going to be holy? And then at the same time, we're talking about some trouble. And so, and so again, it, it, caught me, it caught me off guard, you know, to, when, when, I, when I heard that. But then I started really, really thinking about the teachings of Jesus Christ. And I started thinking about what Jesus, how Jesus walked this earth, and, and even coming down to his own mission statement. I mean, Jesus was very clear. I came to, to set the captives free. In order to set the captives free, there has to be an oppressor. There has to be someone who's holding someone captive. There has to be someone who is being held against their will. There must be someone who is not having the freedom that they should have. And Jesus is saying, I have come to disrupt that. I have come to deal with those who are oppressing the, the, uh, the, the oppressing people. And so he is saying, I am here to deal with those issues. He said, I'm here to heal the brokenhearted, which means somebody's heart was broken by somebody. Can y'all hear what I'm following what I'm saying? And so he said, I got to deal with the brokenhearted. And in order to deal with the brokenhearted, it's going to cause a division because I got to deal with the person who did the breaking. I got to deal with them because they ain't going to be trying to give up no power. They're trying to hold on to what they want to hold on to. And I got to deal with that. And so Jesus, when you start thinking about it and how political Jesus is, because, you know, a lot of times people don't think of Jesus being political. They don't. Jesus, I'm going to tell you. You want me to tell you why Jesus went to the cross? And I've told y'all this before, so if y'all don't act like y'all don't know, and I've told y'all this before, we got a problem. We got holy trouble. Because Jesus really, when he went to the cross, it was for political reasons. Because Jesus was disrupting the power structure. Let me tell you something. When you start messing with people's money, my high priest was on the down low. They were over there collecting and getting the property and going off. They were stealing from the poor. They weren't trying to have anybody interfere with that. The Romans weren't trying to have anybody interfere with that. If you want to get people disturbed, mess with the money. I mean, y'all know. And the Bible won't get you disturbed, go messing with your money. You let somebody come tell you I'm getting ready to take some extra money out your check. Y'all be, come on, work with me. Yeah, you know, yeah, thank you, Step. Everybody act like, oh, no, I'm cool. No, you ain't going to be cool. So, so, so Jesus, Jesus was saying that when you're thinking about it, you're looking at it, Jesus was a, a, a holy troublemaker. Uh, he, he, he was challenging 
unjust laws and oppression and hatred. Jesus was the, was the one who went storming into the temple and he was the one overturning the tables. That was, messing, that was the economy. He was messing with somebody's business right there. They're over there trying to sell some doves and going on. And here come Jesus, come flipping tables and setting the doves free. And it wasn't all about that kind of life. Jesus was in there and he ran them out. And so the thing of it is that Jesus, well, Jesus, when it comes to who he is and his truth, you either accept it, reject it, try to modify it to fit within your own truth, or you ignore it. One way or the other, everybody, I don't care if you're an atheist, everybody will come to a decision about who Jesus Christ is. One way or another. A decision is going to be made about Jesus. And so what Jesus was saying here in this passage, and he's talking to his disciples, he's saying to them that, listen, I'm going to tell you something. To follow me, it's not going to be an easy road. It's not going to be easy. And I think that's one of the things as Christians, we sometimes get just a tad bit twisted. It is easier, as the word said, my yoke is easy, but you still got a yoke. You got to bear something. He just said, it's easier because you're with me. So either you're with me and bearing it, and I'm helping you to bear it, or you out there trying to work it out on your own. And, and then those of us who've been trying to work it out there on our own, we already know that's not good, right? Anybody ever try to work something out and you try to do it all by yourself? Anybody thought they had the answer? Sometimes we claim, like, I don't want to bother the Lord with this. I'm going to take care of this myself. Or have you been in a position where you figure God ain't moving fast enough? Y'all too, y'all too saved and sanctified today. <laughs> They're too saved and sanctified today. <laughs> but to follow Jesus, to follow Jesus... This means that it's not going to be easy. And he's telling them, you're going to come into some challenges. And the thing of it is, he's talking about relationships here. He's not talking about strangers. He's talking about there are going to be, when you stand on the side of Jesus Christ, you're going to run up into some challenges, and it's going to be with people you know. Sometimes under your same roof. All right? It's going to be people you know. It's going to be people who are at the Thanksgiving dinner. It's going to be a problem. Because the thing of it is, when you start spitting truth about Jesus at the Thanksgiving dinner, everybody ain't going to be feeling you. You understand what I'm saying? When you start talking about people, I'm going to tell you what. I was... I was in the nail salon the other day, <laughs> and this thing just really just kind of tripped me out a little bit. So anyway, this lady was sitting in there, and you know, you ever seen some of the folks who come in there kind of eccentric? Yeah. It's a little entertaining, <laughs> you know what I mean? A little eccentric. And so anyway, she was sitting beside me, and, and she, pulls out her, her, she pulls out her cell phone, and she's looking at her phone, and I, I thought she was you know, looking at text. But I noticed she was looking at a picture of Jesus. That was her screen saver. 
and she started talking to it. <laughs> so I'm sitting there and I'm like this. Because if anything gonna jump off, I'm gonna be ready, okay? Skip the nails. I'm so she started talking to the, to the manicurist, and she said to the manicurist, and she said, do you believe in Jesus? And the manicurist said, yes. She said, I'm a Buddhist, but I do pray to Jesus too. And so she said, um, uh, oh, you do? Yes. And she goes into this dialogue of how she prayed to Jesus because she wanted to have some kids. She already had four. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what the craziest conversation you ever want to hear. So anyway, she already had four kids. And so anyhow, as she was going on talking, she said, but my, my boyfriend uh, wanted another child. A boyfriend. <laughs> so I just said, I'm going to get here another child. So the woman pulls up her phone. And she's looking at the phone and she's doing like this to the phone. This is the screensaver. She looks back at the woman and she said, Jesus said, you need to get married. <laughs> 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 now, whether or not the woman accepted that truth, She said, no, not now, not now. But anyway, the point of the matter is, is sometimes when you give truth, <laughs> even though it came from a cell phone, <laughs> but nonetheless, it was truth, okay? <laughs> that is the moral of the story. <laughs> so, so anyway, as I said, the woman's sitting there, but, but anyway, when it comes to, when it comes to Jesus, um, it's not always going to be an easy road. And I have to give the woman credit that even though she was a little eccentric, she still stood on her beliefs. You know, and she was still sharing what she believed about Jesus Christ and what she believed Jesus was telling her to say. And, and, and so Jesus told his disciples over in Matthews 10, he said, and, and you shall be hated among people for my namesake. And again, that's telling us it's not going to be an easy road. And when, we are, when we're standing for the cause of Jesus Christ, we are going to run into challenges. And so, in other words, when we really truly make Jesus our business, when we truly about doing kingdom, kingdom work and kingdom building, we have to be prepared for opposition because it comes with the territory of holy trouble. Holy trouble. Let's talk about holy to be holy means to be set apart. It means to be different. And I just need to stick a pin right there. Because for some reason, when you start talking about holiness among Christians, we get uncomfortable. As I have a pregnant pause right here. <laughs> we tend to become uncomfortable even if someone refers to us as being holy. I've heard Christians say, I'm not holy, but you say. It. 
And that for some reason, holiness has a, a derogatory meaning when the point of the matter is that when we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, he sets us apart. We are supposed to be different. It's okay to be able to relate to the world. We need to be able to relate to people. And maybe that's part of the problem, that sometimes folks took holiness to a whole nother level. And you know, where they, you got to wear these long dresses and can't wear no jewelry and, all this, and no makeup and all this other kind of stuff. And you, and you can't go in this place and that place. And probably, that's probably where some of it came from, is that folks took it to the extreme. And so therefore, when we start talking about holiness, we start being a little bit offended and step back because we don't want to be classified as one of those people. But, but we need to really take that word and take what holiness means and really understand it and begin to explain to people what holiness means for a Christian. Because once you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you have been set apart. Who in here is saved? Where are my saved people? All right, you have been set apart. Come on, say it to me. I am set apart. I am supposed to be different. I am a royal priesthood. Right, a chosen generation. We, we are different, so we're supposed to walk differently. We're supposed to talk differently. We're not supposed to sound like the world. When the world gets all confused, we might be a little confused, but we know where our hope is. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. And so we have to be different. We are the ones who are called to set the standard. We, the world should not be setting the standard for us. We should be setting the standard for the world, and we don't conform to the world because we have been what? Transformed by the renewing of our minds. So when you're talking about holiness, it's set apart, and then when you're talking about holy trouble, is that I have been set apart, we have been set apart to deal with some issues that's going on up in this world. That's what the bottom line is. It, 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 to, to, deal, to deal with some issues that we are, that's happening. Because, because we are holy and taught to follow the examples of Jesus Christ, we are not to be complicit and passive about injustice. We can't just sit. That's why Tony's message was so passionate, and while we're driving this, because as a congregation, as believers, we can't just sit, or I shouldn't say can't, because we can. We shouldn't be comfortable and sitting and watching the world go to the hell in a handbasket and do nothing. I don't know how this is going over. So, so, so the thing of it is, Jesus, Jesus expects us to intervene. He expects us to intervene because we are Christians. He says that we are the salt of the earth. And so as believers, we are required, we are required to use our voices to bring healing, to bring attention to the wrongs of this life while seeking to preserve unity and peace. Jesus has ordained you and I to be the ones to shine his light in this darkened world. As we look over in verse 50, Jesus said, I have a baptism to undergo. 
And the baptism he is speaking about is his appointment with the cross. It is on the cross where Jesus not only, uh, only would bear the sin of our, weight of our sins, but, but will give his life in exchange for our freedom. However, when we accept salvation, when we accept salvation, there's a question that all of us must ask ourselves. And the question is, what does God expect from me? What does he expect from me? Because salvation comes with a cost. It comes with a cost. The same way grace isn't free, neither is salvation. A price has to be paid. And Jesus did pay the price for our salvation, but we got a price to pay too. And, and, and there's a cost when we say yes and when we take Jesus' side. Because when we say to yes to Jesus, it means that we are on his side. And with that yes, it comes with some expectations. And those expectations go well beyond church attendance. I'll let that marinate for a while. It goes beyond giving tithes and offering. And it goes way beyond how much you pray. Standing with Jesus requires total surrender and commitment to God. Because the thing of it is, God doesn't ask for just a little bit of us. He asks for everything. He wants all of us. What's that part of the song? I can't think of the song that Kevin might have out, um, where he saved not the part, but the whole, it is well. I think it's an it is well. There's a verse in there where, where, where the, the, the part of the stanza is talking about how Jesus saved us, and he doesn't save just part of us. It's not the part. He saves all. He washes everything clean. Everything. And he just brings that all into completeness. And so God wants our total commitment. He wants us to be partners in changing this world. And that, that change is going to be a spiritual, uh, uh, spiritual battle between good and evil. It's going to be a battle with rulers in high places. It's going to be a battle. And like Elder Barry said, he said, like, you know, I'm not all that much for dealing with politicians. But the point of the matter is they are rulers in high places. And we got to deal with it. And so, because in this battle, in this battle, there are no spectators. Everyone lines up on one side or the other. We line up on one side or the other. This is not a spectator sport. We're either with him or we're against him. That's, that's how Jesus rolled. And so, and that's where the division comes in. And it seems like this country, it seems when we look at it, it seems like this country to me has lost its mind. And not only has it lost its mind, it just seems like it has lost its way. I'm not saying that we were ever perfect. We weren't, but we got a whole lot of issues. But I don't look like to me, we right now, we're heading in a direction that it just like everything has just flipped around and has lost its mind. The senseless gun, gun violence and, and the mass shooting, that should never have been a norm. That should not be a norm. I heard this one lady was a, on a report and she was, she was talking about the shooting that happened here in Annapolis. And, and she made this statement. She said, um, I just couldn't believe it happened in little sleepy Annapolis. And I said to myself, I said to myself, that's the problem. That's the problem. 
that some of us just sit in our little isolated, comfortable world and thinking things can't touch us because it's dealing with somebody like it's someone else's problem. And the thing of it is, whether it's here or there, it's still all of our, pro all of our problems. When we think that it can't happen, and that's the thing, tragedy can happen anywhere. And the thing of it is, you know, she, it's, it's like she was saying, I can't imagine it happening here. I can't imagine it happening in our school. But here it is. It can happen in our schools. It can happen right here in this church. It can happen in your workplace. It can happen anywhere. And if we sit and act like it happens to other people and can't happen here, that's a problem. That's a problem. Because we are, we are in a different world now. We're in a different world. It's a shame when I was talking to some other, um, from an, um, someone from another church the other day, and they were saying, do you guys lock your doors when you have Bible study? I'm like, yeah. We can't leave our doors unlocked anymore. And if a stranger comes in that we don't know to join study, we're going to be scoping them out because we want to know why you're here. But it shouldn't be that way. But it is that way because you just don't know anymore. And so we have come to this point, and the sad news is, is that this country really wants to do something about this mass shooting. They want to, the majority of the people, I was looking at a CNN report, and it says 96% of Americans are completely in favor of putting something in place that's going to deal with putting some restrictions on people having access to these guns. But the problem is, is that too many of our elected officials have been bought by the NRA. You got 6% of the country telling 94% of the country what's going to happen. That is not right. That is not a democracy. And so that's where the problems come in. It's because we can stop this senseless violence. We can reduce it. Though our boys are getting killed out on the streets. And that was a problem too. We were sitting in a meeting and they were talking about the mass shooting. And I said, yeah, that mass shooting is a problem. But if you're only going to talk about mass shooting and you're not going to talk about our boys getting shot down in the street, we're not talking about the whole issue. If you're going to talk about the issue, talk about everything. Don't divide this bad boy because it is a human problem. And I'm not making it funny. Don't make it a problem because it just all happened affecting a certain group of people. It's a problem. It's a problem in our neighborhoods when our kids can't go out to play because somebody back decide they're going to be shooting at somebody. That little seven-year-old girl sitting in the back seat of her car, minding her business, and hearing somebody shot because somebody made a decision that they're going to pull out a gun. What gives anyone the right to make a decision to take someone else's life? What kind of power is that? And so here we are, we're sitting here and talking, and the thing on top of that, we got a president who is intellectually and morally unfit, and he is the one who has ushered in this divisiveness. He's not fit. You see, he's morally, he, he, he is morally broken. And he's running this country, and you got people who won't even stand up to him. And he is disrupted, and he is brought in the spirit of alternative facts. And now, come on now. And you got folks standing with him who will not speak up because they're afraid of their power might be taken. They're so afraid. What they don't know, if they stand for what is right, they're going to gain power. 
sitting there looking at those, witnessing those thousands of immigrants' children being inhumanely ripped and separated from their parents and sent to detention centers, sitting up in cages, looking like prisoners. Truth of the matter is, uh, this, the history of this country, that's not new. We have a history of taking kids away from their parents. Uh, we got a history uh, where, where black children and their families were, 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 were victims of this horrific practice. Slaves was in years ago in slavery. We just got pictures. It, it's embedded in us. And that's why it hits so close to the home and, and why it gets to many of us as the black people because we know our history. We know how our children and how our families were ripped apart. Husbands and wives ripped apart. Couldn't even get married as a matter of fact. That's why you jump in the broom. They wouldn't even let you take a marriage vow because they're going to rip you apart. How do you do that? And then on top of that, it didn't just start there. They were even, when you look at our history, they even took Indian kids, took them out of their homes, going to put them in white boarding schools because they're going to teach them how to be mainstream into society. And that practice went on for about 100 years. It didn't stop until 1978. Who are the real immigrants up in here? I bet you the Indians wish to this day they never went and sat down and had that dinner down at Plymouth Rock. <laughs> Everywhere, the colonization, we move in to take over. We move in to take over. It happened in India, it happens in Africa, the colonization, it happens all over the place. When do we get a clue? When do we get a clue? And so we deal with those issues. And the truth of the matter is, is we desire a world, we all want a world, we want a world where everything is going right. We want a world where everything is as it ought to be. We want a, we want a world where a person truly has the right to life. We want a, we want a world that, that is not intimidated and threatened because of their race or their sexual orientation. We want a world where everyone is treated fairly and humanely. We want a world where friends are always faithful. A world where Christians always love. Where Christians are always lining up on the side that is white. We want a world where everyone is accepted, a world where everyone has value and respect, a world that doesn't go to war, a world where children and families are protected. We all want this world, but the reality is we do not live in this world. And here's the other reality. While we must work hard to oppose every injustice of human society that brings about despair, we must also recognize that the world, the way that it is, Everything will not always be all right in this world. It's not going to always be all right. That's a future world. That's the world when Jesus comes back. But in the meantime, we just don't sit back. Jesus said over Luke 19 and 13, he said, you got to occupy until I come. You got to occupy. That means you got that means to us as believers Jesus is saying, you got to handle business until I come back. You got to work 
until I come back. No, this world is not ever going to be perfect, not on this side. But that does not give us an excuse to say, well, there's nothing I can do and throw up our hands. No, he's saying we still got to work. The church is not to sit on its past glories. We're not to be sitting around twiddling our thumbs, waiting for Jesus to return. We don't know when Jesus is going to get back here. And you know what? It's not even our business as to when he's going to come back here. In the meantime, we have to do some work. We, we have to get out and do what it is that Jesus wants us to do and do all that we can until the day that he arrives. We have to do what we need to be doing. We need to not to be sitting on our talents. We can't be slacking on our calling. There's no such thing as Jesus called me today to do something, and next week all of a sudden I don't know if I'm called. That's a problem. That's a problem. You call or you're not called. You call or you're not. Don't stand and take a vow before the Lord about you being called, and then the next thing you know, months or years down the road, we question in the calling. That's a problem. It's a problem. It's a problem. And, and, and the thing of it is, is that, that we, 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 we can't not be slack and we cannot be making excuses about being too busy. Everybody is busy. Everybody busy. But when we become too busy to handle Jesus' business, that's a problem. That's a problem. When we side with Jesus, division and conflict will come. And taking up our cross and following Jesus is going to put us at odds with this world. It's going to put it at odds with relationships. It's going to put us at odds. You wonder why you weren't invited to the cookout. You weren't invited to the cookout because you spoke some truth. That's why you weren't invited to the cookout. People start shuffling their feet and looking down, trying to look for a way to move, get out of your presence because you started talking some truth. Talking about they got to go home and feed a dog and they ain't got one. <laughs> so don't, so, so what I'm saying is, is don't be shocked when you come into opposition. Don't be shocked. In fact, Jesus is telling us, he said, expect it. I'm telling you, he said, he's telling them. He said, this is what's gonna happen, expect it. It's gonna happen. It's gonna hurt. You human, it's gonna hurt, it's gonna be painful. But you gotta make a decision which side you on and what you're gonna do. Because Jesus is the great divider. Jesus is the disturber of peace. We are called to disturb the peace. We are, disturb, we are called to rock the boat. We are called to go up and deal with some stuff. Because Jesus is the original trouble, holy troublemaker. So the next time somebody calls you a holy troublemaker, just give the Lord a hand praise and say, thank you. I appreciate that. I am not offended. Because here's the thing. Jesus draws a line in the sand. He does. And he asks us one question. What side you on? And today we got to make a decision. What side we going to be on? In fact, almost every day, something pops up. We have to make a decision. What side we on? Because he's made it very clear he does not like wishy-washy people. He did. 
You say you hot or you cold. Don't be that in-between stuff. One way or the other. He'd rather for you be totally against him than being with him some days when you feel like it. He said be on one side or the other. And so now for, I'm just saying to all of you who are going to decide to be some holy troublemakers because some of you already are. And I hope y'all feel better because now that you know the reason why y'all haven't been invited out. And why some parties went down and you didn't get an invite because you decided you're going to speak some truth. So since you're going to speak some truth, come on and give the Lord a hand praise and give him some glory and give him some honor. Now, as you're standing all over the sanctuary, standing all over the sanctuary, let us, let us, let us pray. And dear Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you, dear Lord. We thank you for your word. And God, we're just praying for your, that you would just strengthen us. But your word has promised us that when we are weak, you are strong. And, and for some reason, God, you tend to pick the weak people to work. And God, we know why you do that. It's because weak folks are going to depend on you. And dear Heavenly Father, we are a bunch of weak folks and we're depending on you. So God, we pray for your guidance. We pray for your direction. God, we just pray that anyone who's here who may have been discouraged by whatever, everything that's been going on in this world, that they will find encouragement in you and knowing that you've got everything under control. And that all we have to do is continue to look to the hills from which come our help. And that our help comes from you. And that you will guide us. And you will direct us. Now thank you God. Let this church be a church that you have called us to be. Not a church that's just sitting on the side of the road. But a church that is willing to stand with you. Fight with you. And work beside you. In Jesus name. Amen. If you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and you want to officially become a holy troublemaker, we invite you to come down right now and you can sign up with any one of these ladies or gentlemen. They will just give you the plan of salvation. And perhaps you are here and you're in need of restoration. You've kind of been sitting on the sideline, already saved, know you're saved, but you've just been sitting in the spectator's seat for a while. We invite you to come down as well. Baptism is in the house, and so is membership. So do we have any who want to come forward on this day?